0: All right, started this last week, we looked at the first couple of verses. I'm going to start again at verse 1, I'm going to read down through verse 7 tonight. Philemon, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, to the church in thy house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. We have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, rather. Look particularly tonight at verses four through seven, entitled "The Message: Effectual Communication." Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privileges ours to assemble together tonight. We thank you for your Word that we can open and study, and to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I pray, you help us to rightly divide Thy truth tonight. I pray that we'd make application to our lives for our good and thy glory, and may you be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So think about effectual communication. The word effectual means to be active or operative. In other words, it's something that's, that's part of your life, it's active, and it's operating in your life. Uh, participation, it might be sharing of a thing. Uh, that's what communication means. So, so as we think of effectual communication, it's an active or operative participation or an active sharing of a thing. And this was evident or was growing in the life of this man, Philemon. But as we think about having uh, effectual communication, I want to notice some things that, that are necessary or will help us to effect Effectually communicate the love of Christ and our faith to others. First of all, there's a realization of our need of instruction. Verse 4, it says, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayer. Then drop down to verse 19. He says, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit. I do not say to thee how thou owest even Unto me, owest unto me even thine own self besides. So, you know, Paul here is saying, you know, I I make mention. The word mention there means wasn't like he mentioned it once a month or you know once a year. Or he thought about finding no. He he remembered him in his prayers. He often uses that terminology, making mention of you in my prayers. So, it was a habitual practice in the life of Paul to pray for Philemon, and after all. 19 Philemon is one of his converts. Uh, as I mentioned last week, you know, it's believed that uh, there was a church in Philemon's house. He was from Colossae. And it was believed that this Archippus, was, his son, was the pastor of the church. In fact, in Colossians chapter 4, at the end of that chapter in verse uh, 17, Paul, when writing to the church, says, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. That thou fulfill it. So many believe that, that Archippus was the pastor there at the church at Colossae, but, but as we think about Philemon, you know, he was instructed or taught by Paul. Howbeit, he says, Yo, your own self to me. Now, he's, in the context, of course, he's getting right. he's asking Philemon for a considering Onesimus. Who was, his, who was Philemon's runaway slave. And so he reminds him that, that you owe your own self. It's from me that you've received what you have. Uh, you know, we, you know, we, as we think about it, you know, being effectual in communication, we all need God's help. We all need God's help. To, to the green earth, to mankind. Now, we all need God's help. We all need instruction. That's one of the reasons why I don't teach Sunday school class now. Because if I teach Sunday school class, unless I go to some other church somewhere, I don't hear anybody else teach or preach. I've been in that situation, and I got tired of it after a while. You know, I like to sit down and listen to somebody, even if it is Brother Will. I like to sit down and teach. I've enjoyed a Sunday school class. I really have. Uh so we all need instruction, we all need enc- encouragement, we all need challenge from the Word of God, and that our faith might grow. And, you know, fl- turn over to Philippians or not Philippians, Ephesians chapter two. F- Ephesians two. Of course, you know, we all we all start out without help, without hope. Ephesians 2, 1, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, even you that grew up in a Christian home were children of wrath. You maybe had some benefits that that others didn't have, that didn't grow up in Christian home, you have a head start, but even you are the children of wrath. I know i got a beautiful little granddaughter back here, but she's a big sinner, I can tell you that. She's proven it to me already. I might have a tendency to spoil her because she's not my daughter, she's my granddaughter, but, you know, she's still a big sinner. She's a child of wrath. She, she got it from her parents. Um, but anyway, but God who is rich in mercy, of course they got it from their parents. God who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved. Then drop what a verse, uh, verse 13 says, or verse uh, um, 11. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Let me just stop here and say something. You know. The circumcision really had an advantage over the uncircumcised. Why? Because to them was given the oracles of God. They had the word of God given to them. The Jews had an advantage. Paul tells us that in Romans. They had an advantage. Like some of you that grew up Christian had an advantage over some of your parents. Because you've heard the word of God all your life. So there is an advantage in that. but, but but, But laying that aside... That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in this world. But you know, even the circumcision, if they don't, aren't circumcised in heart, as Paul was, you know, he was without hope at one point. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far from made nigh by the cl- blood of Christ. You know, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You see, we we need to realize that we all need help. We all need instruction. First Corinthians, chapter four, yeah, the church at Corinth prided itself in its knowledge, and it was it was an edge of many of the churches. That Paul started uh, had the privilege of, of ministering in it. Starting Corinth was a had had had. Of course, they had a you know a varying degree of people in it. They had support, and and but they had. They had wise people as far as the ways of this world are concerned, the wisdom of this world. But notice what Paul says to them in uh, uh, verse 3. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself. Think about that. I know nothing by myself. Yet I am, am I not hereby justified, but he that just judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time come, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, will make manifest the counsels of the heart. Then shall every man have praise of God. These things, brethren, I have it a figure, transferred to my, myself and to Paulus for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory? So with some of this, they were priding themselves on their wisdom that they had. And Paul said, wait a minute. Didn't you receive it from someone? Didn't somebody impart you with it? No, no, no such thing as somebody born smart. Solomon was a very wise man, but where did he get it? He came from God. He wasn't born that way. He he became a wise man because he received instruction not only from uh, God but from his father. So, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? So we need to realize that we all need God's help. We need instruction. You know what happens to a society family, or an individual that rejects the instruction of God. Well, Romans 1 clearly tells us, professing professing themselves to be wise, they become what? Fools. You know, our our nation professes to be greatly enlightened. I mean, I believe that we were once an educational powerhouse of the world. Are we now no we're not no we're not why not? why not because we have failed to realize that we need help. we've become proud and arrogant against God we've kicked him out of the education system we kicked him out out of, out of public life and and we're kicking him out of our churches by the way I that's where he went out first was in a lot of churches the rest of it's just the results of all that see, we need, we need to, there needs to be a realization that we need instruction secondly we have to recognize that it's God God gives wisdom verse 4 he mentioned of the always in my prayer 6 that the communication of faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of everything a good thing which is in you in Christ, realize that it's God that gives wisdom. God that gives wisdom. You know, James one five says, "If any of you lack wisdom, bless you God who giveth all liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him." The word to acknowledge here means. Precise and correct knowledge. Uh, um, the word the word thing. He said acknowledging every good thing. The word good thing, that phrase there, means something useful or excellent or honorable and upright. So we want to we have precise, correct knowledge that are honorable. And those things come from God. They come from God. Many of the greatest scientists in the world, in the world, were and are Christians. And so, as we, as we think about that, gaining, uh, getting wisdom, we need to be careful. Where, of course, you need to be careful where you get your knowledge. Yeah. You want to read things that are worthless or or, or vain. That's the way you become. You know the old saying is, "You are what you read." Uh, First Kings four twenty nine says, "And God gave Solomon wisdom, understanding, exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand is on the seashore." Yet you know, Solomon plied himself to learning many things. <laughs> R. G. Lee said in his book Whirlwinds of God, he said, and quote: "Solomon knew everything, as a mortal man may know everything." His, uh, his was no capsule brain capable of only tidbits, unquote. You know, you know he no capsule brain capable of only tidbits. He, Solomon studied trees, he studied biology, he studied minerals, he had copper mines, he had all sorts of things. In Ecclesiastes 1.17, he said this, I gave to wisdom. I gave my heart to wisdom. In other words, he sought wisdom. He sought it. And, and, God, and he asked for it. Daniel 1.17 says about Daniel and his friends, As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So we need to seek God or realize that God gives wisdom. There also needs to be a genuine love for the Lord. Think about seeking the wisdom. It needs to be governed by a genuine love for the Lord. If you cast the Lord aside to get wisdom, you're... And you'll say, like Solomon did Ecclesiastes, all is vanity and vexation of spirit, and no profit under the sun. So there has to be a genuine love for the Lord. I want to notice several things here. First of all, love the Lord with all your heart. Verse 5 says, Hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's the greatest commandment. Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Uh, In Philippians chapter 1, and verses 9 through 11, Paul said this, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. <laughs> Excuse me. If we are, are uh, going to grow in knowledge which is the precise and correct and useful um, communication, our love must be fervent. It must be, be sincere. And, and then he says. That, that is, you know, with the fruits, that's being useful. So we need to, to love the Lord and approve things that are excellent. You know, God wants us to excel. God wants us to excel. You'll, you ought to look up sometimes the word abound. God wants us to abound. Um, but it needs to be governed by a love and reverence for God. You know, God will, not, God will not prosper you if you don't give up Him. You know, reverence is not using Him to get what you want or what you think is best. It's, it's simply obeying Him and trusting Him to decide what is best for you. You know, I thought about this. You know, Alex in Taiwan. He changed his major. Why did he change his major? Because his major, he was thought he wanted, was hindering and hampering his walk with the Lord. So he changed it. You see, God wants us to abound, but with knowledge and judgment. Notice again that that Philippians one nine says that we're to abound. Um, he says with knowledge, but also with judgment. That's discernment. So, so our, our desire to excel you know, uh, must be subject to our love and loyalty to the Lord. You know, Solomon said this. You know, of course, he said that all was vanity and vexation of spirit. You know, he studied everything. And he said it was all vanity and sex, vexation of spirit. And then we got to the book, end of the book of Ecclesiastes, he said this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Here's what's fear God. And keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. This is the sum of man's existence. That's his purpose. Is to fear God and keep his commandments. But again, God does want to... You know, Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man... So somebody that's faithful, obedient, shall abound with blessings. But he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. So if you're faithful and obedient to the Lord, God wants to abound you with blessings, but if you're going to cut corners, or cheat, or lie, or use uh, uh, ungodly means to get rich, it's going to bring you problems. And you'll not be innocent. Second Corinthians nine, eight God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you, having all bound to every good work. Philippians four seventeen. I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. First Thessalonians three twelve. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another, toward all men, even as we do toward you. You say, God wants us to abound in blessings, but it has to be governed by our love for the Lord. That's to be prominent and foremost. Secondly, there are there will be uh, a love for your neighbor. You notice in verse 5. Hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord and toward all saints. And then again in verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love. Because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. So, you know, there for the brethren. Or a love for your neighbor. Again, the, the greatest commandment was love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. And then the second is like to it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What's it mean to love your neighbor? What are Romans chapter 8, 13? Romans chapter 13, Verse 8. <clears throat> Romans 13. Romans 13 verse 8. Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment. It is briefly comprehended in this saying. Namely. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. In other words, you're not going to steal from your neighbor. You're not going to covet your neighbors. You're not going to bear false witness about your neighbor. uh, Or any of those things. No, he worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. To love your neighbor is to do right to your neighbor. To do right to your neighbor. Have compassion on your neighbor. Have compassion on the lost. In Matthew 9 36, when he saw the multitudes, he moved with compassion to them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. So there must you know a love for the Lord includes a love for your neighbor. Anyone you come and talk by the way, you know, who's your neighbor? That's what the ball you're asked, remember? Well, who's my neighbor? And basically you could sum that up by saying. Whoever you come in contact with, but I'll notice a fourth thing here as we think about effectual communication. There must be a manifestation of faith. Again, in verse here, number one, a manifestation evident by embracing the changing principle. Notice again verse 5 says, Hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and the Lord of your saints. And again verse 7 and consolation, thy brother. So Philemon had embraced the promises of God. He, had, of course, accepted your Lord. By the things that he did. There was a manifestation of his faith in his life, in his works, you might say. Look at, uh, we see examples of this in other places in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul and Savannah and Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Notice, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, and labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for a son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. You see, these Thessalonian believers proved or manifested their faith in God by a transformed life. They turned to God from idols. No longer would they go to the, the, the... the the, the shrines and and the prostitutes of the shrines and all those things. No, they turned away from all that. No longer doing that. But they were worshiping God. They served the one and true God now and turned away from their idols. And it was sounded out. Everybody around there heard about it. Everybody around there knew it. It was clearly manifested. And then in chapter 2, again, in verses 13 and 14, he makes mention of this this, uh, this effectual change in their life. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually, in other words, there's a, there's a word effectually, uh, it's active or operating, worketh also in you to believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God which are in Judea, Which are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So, even in the midst of persecution, their faith was seen by they who stood faithful to the Lord, even in the face of opposition. You see, they embraced God's word, it became effectual, it became active in their life, it was a powerful influence. You know, Caleb is a good example of that. In Joshua 14, verses 7 through 9, he reminds Joshua about a promise that God gave him. He says, Forty years old was I when Moses' servant of the lord sent me from Cadus Bernia, to spy out the land, and I brought him, him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses sware in that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. You see, there was a he embraced the promise of God. God simply said, I will give thee this land. He didn't say, well, you know, if there's no walled cities, you can conquer. And if there isn't any giant, too many giants, you'll be all right. No. He said, I'll give it to you. I have given, I have, that's past tense. I have given you this land. And it didn't matter what Caleb saw there in the land. He said, I believe God's promise. I've embraced it. And I'm acting on it. I'm going to take God's word. You see it was a power in his life you know in acts twenty seven remember Paul is on his way to Rome and um you know the story is told how they how they are sailing there they they get on a ship and and uh, you know he tells us that that the uh the harbor at Fair Havens, I think it was Fair Havens, uh, was not commodious to winter in. In other words, I mean, it wasn't a nice place to stay for the winter. And so they decide they were going to sail on. And Paul says, Gotta be much hurt. Shouldn't go. But of course, they believe the shipmaster over Paul. And so, of course, we know they had this terrible storm come up and and the ship was, was they thought they were going to lose the ship, they thought they were all going to perish. And, and then Paul says this in verse 21, in Acts 27, 21. But after a long absence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. So stood by me this night, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. You see, when others fail to do right, follow the philosophy of the world, we just stand and say, I believe God. I believe God. You know, the government government's saying that alternate lifestyles, sodomy and transgenderism and all that stuff's normal. No, I believe God. That's what Caleb did. You know, God said, I'll give you the I have given you this land. Caleb said, I believe God. When the other ten spies were saying, We cannot. Think about what's in that land. That we have to conquer, We cannot do it. And it was humanly impossible. But God said, I have given thee this land. See, we have to embrace what the word of God says. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20. This is a verse you need to memorize. It says, And they rose early in the morning went forth into the wilderness of Koa, And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. You see, we need to believe what the Lord has told us in his word. What the prophets have said, we believe it. Therein shall we prosper. So he embraced the promises and life changing principles of the Word of God. Secondly, he was also confident that God's grace, as we think about it, this manifestation of faith, he was also confident that God's grace was sufficient for others or could do the same for others that did for him. Notice again verse 5 and verse 7. Uh, <clears throat> Verse 5 says, Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. And then verse 7 says, For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. So Philemon believed and was confident that God's promises were not only good for him, Never good for anybody else who would receive them. You know, sometimes. Do you ever feel like, well, that was good for Abraham, and that was good for Moses? Hey, it's good for Ryan, too. It'll work for Ryan, too. It'll work for Brennan, too. It worked for many, too. If we will simply embrace it. You see, we need to believe that God's grace and his promises can bring life-changing effect in our lives and the lives of other people. You know, many were instructed and helped by Philemon. It says again in verse 7: We have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. The word bowels there means inward affections. We would say, you know, the idea here is of being encouraged or being refreshed. The word refreshed means to take rest. Kind of reminds me of what, what uh, uh, Matthew 11:29 says: Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my burden is easy, my yoke, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So, so many were instructed in the things of the Lord, and helped or encouraged by Philemon. And I think was, Paul was speaking here of Apollos in 2 Corinthians 7.15, and it says, And his inward affection is more abundant toward you whilst he remembereth the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. You know, you know, Paul wrote to Colossians, that's the church where Philemon, I believe it was in his house, that church at Colossae, and in Colossians chapter 3, in verse 1, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those who are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection, you know, your bowels, that's the idea there, your affections, on the things above, not on things of the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Uh, so, so he says, you know, Philemon, it's evident that Philemon you know, not only embraced the promises of God, had faith in God's word, but he encouraged others to be obedient to the word of God as well, and to exercise faith in God's word. You know, we find others in the Bible that that were like this. Barnabas. Bible tells us that Barnabas. Exhorted the brethren. That they should continue in the faith. Acts chapter 11. Yeah, probably. Probably Barnabas. If you would describe one word. To describe him. He was an exhorter or an encourager. That's one of the things Barnabas did. And, and the Bible tells us that Jesus taught. In fact, in the word taught is used eight times in the book of Luke. Uh, Luke 4.15, he taught in their synagogues. Luke 4.31, he came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. He entered into a ship, Luke 5.3, and taught the people out of the ship. And Luke 19.47 says and he taught daily in the temple. Why did Jesus teach every day? He believed that some would believe, would embrace the truth. Now, he didn't have a great following, but those who followed him turned the world upside down. You see, we need to believe that God can work not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. What he's done for me, he can do for you. And he can do for others. Just like Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, it says, for this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And so, God wants us to effectually communicate our love and our faith to others. Of course, we have to embrace. It has to be operative and active in our life before we can give it to others. Are are we receiving the instruction? Are we obeying His word? Do we have a genuine love for the Lord? And are we embracing the principles and living them out in our life, and working to communicate those or share those with others we come in contact with, as Philemon did? Might God help us to be useful? In every good work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father we do thank you again. For the time in your word tonight. Thank you for this example. of This man. Who is being used by you. To communicate the gospel. The life changing power of the gospel. To others. He came in contact with. I pray to help us as your people. To have wisdom. And understanding. That we might. Teach and instruct and encourage others in the same. Thank you again for your love and your word. We pray in Jesus' name.